1: hey what's up welcome to your hump day edition of locked on raptors on today's show we are playing a game that we played earlier this season and we're bringing it back by popular demand we're playing a little game called what's more likely i have six either or situations uh that are hypotheticals about the remainder of the raptors season we're going to dive into each of them are the raptors going to have all nba players or all defense players are they going to make it to the second round or losing the play-in we'll get into all that and more with today's guest vivek jacob from raptors.com stick around what's going on welcome to episode number 1124 of locked on raptors for wednesday february the 23rd i'm your host sean woodley of raptorshq.com you can find me on twitter as always at woodley sean you can find the show at locked on raptors and of course you can find the podcast free and available on all your favorite audio podcast platforms where you can follow, subscribe, rate, review, et cetera. You can also go to YouTube and check us out over there. Hit the big red subscribe button. 1.65 thousand subs so far. Let's continue to push towards 2,000, shall we? It would be very, very nice. Maybe I'll do some sort of uh, stunt if we get to 2,000 by the end of March. I'll let Vivek decide uh, what that stunt is. Uh, and uh, a big thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day on today's show vivek is here we're going to do some what's more likely situations we did this uh, version of the podcast a couple months back and it was a pretty fun little device to dig into some big picture raptors questions so we're going to dig into those uh but first we should say hello to raptors.com's vivek jacob it's big v it's not a monday like typical because it's a weird uh holiday week but uh, how's it going pal
2: it's good it's good kind of been in uh, semi vacay mode Uh, getting a break from the NBA. I mean, I did consume the all-star content, but other than that, it's been pretty relaxing and chilled out. Mm So looking forward to getting back to it soon enough. Uh, Raptors back in action Friday. So it'll be fun to watch this uh, closing stretch of 25 games or so.
1: Yeah, man, I am very excited to watch it because, and I think you know, a big part of it is the roundtable episode we did yesterday, which you can go and check out, where we did the the chat with all the hosts in the six through ten range in the Eastern Conference from the Lockdown Network, and it's just gonna be a real sort of blood fight, I think, to the end of the season for positioning, not just for six through ten, but for one through five, and the Raptors still have. An outside shot at climbing up the standings, I would say, and, you know, finishing somewhere higher than sixth, considering how things are clustered. um, You know, it's going to require them kind of getting off on the right foot. They played the Charlotte Hornets on Friday. They got the Hawks over the weekend, and they have two against the Nets. That stretch there is going to be uh, rather large, I would say. Um, but we can dig into the schedule that lies ahead later on in the week. We're going to dig into our what's more likely scenarios now. And so, Vivek Jacob, we will begin with the first situation I have come up with. I sent you these before the show. Uh, They might be good. They might be not. They might be uh, easy calls. They might be coin flips. We'll see how well I did in terms of coming up with good either ors. But the first one here is the Raptors. Is it more likely that they will finish fourth or better in the East? or finish ninth or worst? Of course, they are currently seventh right now, just behind the Celtics, I believe a game back of sixth, and two and a half games up on uh, the Nets, who are down in eighth. What say you? Are they more likely to finish top four or ninth or worse?
2: Yeah, this is a fun one to start off. I got pretty detailed with this. I went and looked up the Raptors schedule and went through every single game. I checked out the remaining schedule strength on tankathon.com. Uh, the Raptors do have a pretty favorable schedule to finish, uh, which leaves me uh, saying that fourth or better is actually more likely, uh, than ninth or worse in sort of a worst case, uh, conservative projection. I have the Raptors finishing with 45 wins, Mm -hmm. uh, and in a best case, I I can see them getting to 50. So Mm -hmm. I will say that fourth or better is likely. I don't think either is going to be the outcome. I think they probably finish sixth or seventh or eighth. Uh, But of those two scenarios, I will go with fourth or better.
1: That's the beauty of this show, baby, is we get to go with the extremes instead of hanging out (laughs) in this soft, gooey, boring middle like we always tend to do. Uh, Yeah, I think I'm with you. I think it's more likely they finish top four than it is they finish ninth or worse. Um, Just because I think... It's more likely they win games and gain ground on the teams in front of them. That you know, the Cavs, I think, are still. I'm waiting for the bottom to fall out there because they're just not a very deep team. Their offense is not awesome. I don't know if I totally trust them to keep up this you know winning pace after the All Star break, as other teams kind of buckle down. Um, The Bucks have been like weirdly disappointing, and I'm not saying they're going to fall necessarily, but there's a world in which they continue to kind of be stagnant if their current win percentage, and maybe the Raptors kind of shoot past them a little bit, Uh, and we'll. We'll see with the Celtics you know the Celtics I'm terrified of right now they're really really good uh their defense is more or less impenetrable I think I still have some concerns about maybe the predictability of their offense considering it's basically two 30 usage guys and then a bunch of you know first year OG and hanging around uh Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum we'll see how sustainable that is maybe it is maybe it's playoff proof I'm not sure but you know I, I still think there are avenues for the Raptors to climb past those teams in front of them whereas I think the Hornets are kind of not very good. I think their defense is pretty shoddy. And I'm just, I I don't think, you know, we were talking about this on the round table yesterday. I think they're clearly the team that's going to finish 10th right now. And then the the Nets, like, I don't know if the Nets are going to have the time to catch the Raptors. And you need at least two of these teams to catch the Raptors for them to finish ninth or worse. And I don't see that happening with either the Hornets or the Nets. The Hornets, I just don't think are good, as I said. And the Nets, I think just don't have enough, You know, We don't know when they're going to get KD and and Simmons back, and when they do, they're going to need some time to gel. There's going to be Kyrie missing games, etc. They have two games against the Raptors in the next week or so, and I think those should be pretty high-priority games for the Raptors to go out and win against the depleted Nets team that Kyrie won't be playing in either of those games. Um, and I think that's just going to put the Nets too far behind the eight ball. So because the teams behind them do not inspire fear in me, I will say fourth is most likely. But I agree. I think probably sixth, seventh, eighth is the most likely finishing spot for your Toronto Raptors. Let's move on to the next either or. Uh, the next one I have here is the Toronto Raptors get a player selected to the all NBA team or they get an all defense selection. Which do you think is more likely of those two? Big V
2: so this is another fun one uh, I think when you look at the names that have kind of dropped out I, w- I would say that the all defense spot looks more open because you know earlier in the year you would have said uh, Caruso's got to be in the mix uh Alonzo ball maybe and then now with the games played uh they're out does Chris Paul drop out of the mix now with pretty much remain uh, missing the remainder of the regular season uh so I think that makes it pretty clear cut to me that fred van vliet will make it um i think it's gonna be really difficult to leave him off i mean Mm -hmm. sure you you go ahead and select you know marcus smart Derek white um drew Holiday's kind of been a fixture on (laughs) on that team so uh, although the the the
1: bucks are not like killing it on defense right now so that's worth noting
2: yeah exactly right and so do people do people look at that and say hey uh know we we didn't give brooke lopez uh, as much credit as we should have um so i think that's where i'd probably lean towards fred van vliet working his way in um Mm -hmm. i think i think what could get interesting is if they kind of overload it uh with forwards right because you we know the voting is more flexible positionally uh, for the All-NBA uh, in, tr- uh, in comparison to All-Star. And so mm-hmm. uh, I was just looking back at the All-NBA uh, sec- uh, the defensive team, uh, the second team last mm-hmm. year. And there was only one guard on there. And that was right. uh, Matisse Ibel. So Right. Not uh, a guard.
1: Uh, you need to be able to dribble to be a guard, I think. But that's fine.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, It so goes to the point where I think the only thing that gets in the way of Fred... Making it is if they sort of say, "Hey, we got to include all these forwards and bigs, of which there are many, right?" Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you look at Embiid, you look at Gobert, you look at Bam. Vanderbilt, I think, has a good case. Uh, Which of Evan Mobley or Jared Allen do you give more credit to? So, I think from that standpoint uh, is where Fred might get cut into, but Mm -hmm. I I lean towards the All Defensive Team more than the all nba where you can see different
1: names sort of bumping either fred or pascal out see i think i'm more confident in there be actually i think my actual take here is i think they're going to get both like i think fred (laughs) will make all defense and i think pascal is going to make all nba at this rate um, you know, I think like the number of guys who have been hurt are going to cut into the number of dudes who make the all defense. Te- oh, yeah, sorry, both teams, I guess. But like Draymond is going to be out for all defense and for all NBA, you would think with the amount of time he's missed. KD is probably going to be out. Um, I mean, maybe not. Maybe six weeks isn't enough time. And maybe all NBA is a little bit less sort of stringent with the number of games. But I do think there's a world in which KD is not on an all NBA team because of the time missed. And maybe he misses more than the projected six weeks, which we hope doesn't happen because KD is awesome. But You never know. The Nets are kind of weird with injury stuff and don't really reveal their hand very much. Um, You know, I just I kind of think, you know, obviously, no Kawhi. Paul George is not going to be there. I think there's going to be a spot for forwards that Pascal can kind of easily slide into. Um, You know, he's been just as we talked about, he's been one of the 15 best players alive this season. That's how good he's been and how all encompassing his impact has been and that's not even to say anything about his defense because his defense is probably all-defense worthy as well. Again, I think you make a good point that the front court and forward spots might be a little bit crowded, but guess what? Pascal Siakam's a point guard too, baby. Get him in as a guard. Get your second-team all-defense guards as Siakam and uh, Fred in the backcourt, and uh, I think we're laughing. But yeah, I, I think both stand a pretty good chance of happening. I would go all-NBA with a slight edge just because I find that the all-defense crowds up real quick. You know, there's fewer teams uh, there's only 10 spots only like three or four guard spots as you mentioned and I could totally see you know the the Celtics voodoo of Derek White and Marcus Smart taking up half those spots and then you go from there and uh, you know it, it's easy for Toronto Raptors to get left out of all in all defense discussions I, I think is kind of the thing we've learned over the years but. We will continue on with a few more uh, what's more likely situations coming up in just one second, including one about OG Ananobi and Gary Trent Jr., who's going to score more between now and the end of the year. We'll get to that in one second. But first, want to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks. They are daily fantasy made easy, and you are going to love them. It's easy to use. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to ten times on any entry, and it's just you – against the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy, and PrizePix is safe, and offers fast withdrawals as well. You can use their award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. And prize picks offers a variety of options. You can go from points scored, rebounds, steals, and everything in between. And you can also do mixed sport entries. Maybe you are a fan of soccer and basketball, and you want to get uh Jonathan David and his over under projections over playing for Lille along with Joel Embiid. That's totally possible with prize picks. It doesn't just offer the NBA; they have options of college basketball, college football, the NFL, MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. For a limited time, Prize has an exclusive no-brainer offer for all Locked On listeners as well. Users get 50 bucks for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point, but you must use that code. NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to locked on fans. Sign up today. Use the code NBA for 50 bucks free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point. That seems like a no-brainer to me. It's not often players score zero points. Go fire it up. Get that 50 bucks free with prize picks. Daily fantasy made easy. Go check them out.
0: In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow alternate routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to alternate routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+.
1: And we continue on with your first listen of the day here on On Raptors with Vivek Jacob from raptors.com playing what's more likely and my third what's more likely scenario for you, Big V, is... OG Ananobi or Gary Trent Jr. averages more points from now until the end of the year. As it stands right now, Gary Trent Jr. is uh, a little bit ahead of OG in terms of overall scoring production, but it's kind of oscillated back and forth. Trent ride that super hot recent stretch. OG, of course, has struggled quite a bit lately, a bit out of character for him. So we'll throw out the first 50-something games. It's the final 20-something games we're looking at here. Who scores more on a per-game basis between Gary Trent Jr. and OG Ananobi Vivek Jacob?
2: I'm going to go with Gary Trent Jr. I think that with the way the offense functions now with uh, Fred and Pascal as the primary options, uh, Gary has sort of fit into that version of the offense better than OG. and uh, I think that OG will have his moments, but I just think in terms of Gary's ceiling, like I could still envision him having multiple 30-point games to close out the season. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd be very surprised if OG had a 30-point
1: game the rest of the way.
2: So um, from that perspective, yeah, I'll, I'll lean with Gary the rest of the way.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably the right one here because of that you know, capability for him to pop off and go for 40 whenever he kind of feels like it. I do think I think OG is probably going to have like the more sort of steady scoring production over the rest of the year. Like Gary could kind of oscillate, have his days where he doesn't shoot super well. You know, He's a bit of a high variance guy when things aren't really clicking for him. And I still think OG, like there's just so many opportunities for him to find easy buckets within the Raptors setup. Like they look for him under the basket with those seal outs so that they kind of look for quick offense with. Um, He's such a good cutter off of Siakam and off of Barnes and off of Fred and uh, I'm assuming off of Thad Young eventually as well. Like, he is so good at finding those easy sort of opportunistic baskets that I think he's got kind of a baseline that's way higher than what it's been over the last, you know, week or so before the the end of the... Like, But let's kind of dig into this for a sec. Are you concerned about OG at all? Like, or, or do you think it's more... You know, pre-deadline malaise and exhaustion from playing so many minutes, and that this break will probably be good for him. Is there something you're seeing in the way that they were using him before the break that gives you some pause and some concern? Like, where are you at with OG?
2: I'm not concerned with OG. I think he, you know, is sliding into the right slot for this team, mm. uh, and frankly his role is probably best suited to you know focusing on the defensive end and then chipping in where he can offensively and like you said taking those easy opportunities mm-hmm. uh you know we, we saw a bunch of those late clock scenarios where he's had the ball in his hands and uh tried to create off the bounce uh, as opposed to maybe shooting on the catch uh and i think now or this uh, this unofficial second half of the season, we're going to see a lot more of the latter, right? And so I think that suits his style more. Um, So I'm not concerned about OG. Uh, I've maybe cooled off a little bit on what I envision his ceiling as. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the only reason I say that is I think on some level to actualize that ceiling, he's almost not going to be fine with where he is in the offense right now. Right, (laughs) Like like gary Trent jr when he's on the floor it, it's almost like he's asking the team why am i not the number one option <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like yeah. when when og is there it's like he's cool it's like okay if i'm the fourth option if i'm the fifth option that's fine that's totally fine and uh <laughs> in terms of you know getting to where his theoretical ceiling could be i don't think uh you know That's a mindset that caters to it, but I'm perfectly happy with him playing that role on this team.
1: Yeah, I think that's really well put. I think, you know, if we were to see some sort of expansion of OG's overall kind of on-ball repertoire, it's probably coming at the expense of other guys on the roster, and it's probably coming at the expense of the overall sort of health of the team. there'll be times for him to sort of flex his muscles. I'm sure there will find some bench units where he can be like the 1A, 1B type guy and get some reps there. But yeah, I I think it's pretty clear that the way this team is set up, it's borderline negligent to not have the ball in either Pascal or Fred's hands to start most of these possessions. And that's just going to ultimately leave OG as more of an off-ball guy. But I think he's just such a good off-ball guy that there's still such a high floor there in terms of what he's going to produce for you. And the fact that he is, you know, I think really the greatest strength of this team is that you know in those sort of big moments it can kind of go to any one of five guys and you're pretty comfortable and og is kind of a reason for that right like i feel pretty confident when it comes to him in crunch time on a you know a catch and shoot three opportunity because pascal has leveraged the defense to create such a shot like, I feel good about OG being the finisher on those plays, which is a nice thing to have. And, um, you know, if he were kind of being a more of a sort of on-ball presence and more of a guy who things are flowing through as a hub, then I think you're probably taking a little bit less advantage of his strengths, which are, are his off-ball finishing abilities, I think. Um So with that, let's move into the next one here, the next what's more likely situation. This one here, I'm fascinated by this one because I've been waiting for the offense of this team to fall out of the damn floor all season long. It has not yet. So my question to you is what's more likely, Vivek? The Raptors finish with a top 10 defense or a top 10 offense. Could be both if you want to go that way and take the the soft middle, but... Uh, As it stands right now, the Raptors are 10th in offensive rating at 111.5 offensive rating. They're only 0.5 points per 100 possessions outside of uh, 15th right now, which is the Spurs at 111.0. So pretty uh, tenuous grasp there. The Raptors on defense are 13th right now, 109.8 defensive rating. They're 0.4 behind the Bucks for 12th. They are currently 0.8 out of 10th. So it's all very, very close here. Um, and you know, at the end of the season, it could be similar sort of margins of difference. So it doesn't really matter all that much probably, but, uh, what do you think is more likely a top 10 finish on defense or offense for your Toronto Raptors?
2: I will say that I think the defense is more likely because I think they're just getting more cohesive as a unit and, mm-hmm. uh, understanding the system better. And, uh, those growing pains that we saw early in the season, uh, even t- towards the midway point of the season, because of the time missed for certain guys, uh, we're seeing less and less of those. So, mm-hmm. uh, I think that lends towards uh, the defense being better. And then with the offense, uh, you know, I, I just don't think enough was uh, addressed at the trade deadline to mm-hmm. uh, think that, uh, you know, they'll be fine the rest of the way. I think uh, they're a bit of a known quantity at this point, and I think uh part of what they were able to accomplish in the first half of the season was that element of surprise too right and sure teams are going to be a lot more cognizant of protecting their defensive glass uh obviously the turnover situation is something that the raptors are just excellent at Uh, it's Mm -hmm. tough to overcome that length uh and, and that switchability so uh That's something that they can keep getting in their favor and getting buckets, but uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if the offensive rebounding kind of cooled off uh, in this uh, latter half of the season and and therefore uh, took out any hopes of a top-10 finish.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think... You're right. I think the defense is more likely to finish up there because I do think it's kind of coming into form here. Uh, It's worth noting since January 1st, they're actually top 10 in both categories. They're number uh, nine in offense and number 10 in defense. So I guess it's possible if they're playing like the team they have been since they kind of got whole. Maybe they are just going to be a top 10 in both. Again, very uh, (laughs) mushy middle answer here. But yeah, I think I kind of trust the defense to continue its progression more than I could trust the offense to continue kind of surviving at a clip that maybe is a bit unsustainable. That said, like, I think there's going to be a floor for the offense that's not going to fall down to 21st or anything like that because their transition frequency is still so high. They still are you know slamming the offensive glass, even though it's kind of dropped off a little bit recently from their league high level in the first part of the year. since January 1, there's still a 32.9% offensive rebounding rate. that's number two in the league behind Memphis where they've basically been all season long. The gap is just a little bit bigger now. Um, and maybe teams are starting to figure that out, but you know they still are just a team with so many guys who have such a knack for it. Um, you do add in Thad Young, who might be the best offensive rebounder of the bunch all of a sudden, just joining the team. I think they're still gonna make that a pretty big part of their identity. And I think the turnovers and transition will still exist. You know, they're gonna need, I think. Like, if you think of January, for example, when they were really on a heater and Gary Trent Jr. was doing his thing and just kind of you know shooting fire from his fingertips, that was like an unseasonably warm month of shooting from the team. I think they were like second in the league in three-point percentage over the course of the month, um, you know, with OG really hot, obviously Pascal kind of coming back up and regressing to the mean, Fred doing his thing, Gary shooting 9,000%. Like if they can get another, you know, sweet spot of shooting like that over the course of the season, that maybe kind of, you know, gets them to the point where they're a top 10 offense. But that's a lot to bank on, especially when those looks are not necessarily like the most beautifully created open looks because there's not a ton of spacing on the floor. And it's just kind of difficult slog to get to the shots that they want. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll go with the defense is the more likely top 10 finisher as well. But I do think it's possible both happen.
2: What's up? I'm, I'm going to call a timeout. I've actually uh, changed my stance here. Because... Oh, baby.
1: Oh, baby. Drama. We love to see it. <laughs> scenes. Absolute scenes. What you got?
2: <laughs> so I, I'm looking at uh, at the ratings uh, on cleaning the glass. And okay. I'm trying to see the Raptors' path to being uh, a top 10 defensive team. And sure. so on cleaning the glass, they're 14th. They're tied with uh, Minnesota. And they're behind OKC and then Milwaukee and Philly.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I can definitely see them getting ahead of Minnesota and OKC. But mm-hmm. then it's, hey, Milwaukee is 11th, Philly is 10th. How are you going to get ahead of those two teams? Uh, I do think Philly is actually going to be better defensively because I could see, you know, James Harden sort of manipulating the half court, getting to the line more, creating more possessions where they're able to defend in the half court. God,
1: they're going to suck to watch, man. Oh, <laughs> it's going to be a nightmare. Just a total nightmare, but carry on.
2: <laughs> and so I think that will help them uh, on the defensive front. Uh, obviously, Harden also has his turnover issues, so that could be interesting. Um, but then from the offensive standpoint, the Raptors are 11th on cleaning the glass and mm. just .2 Behind the Minnesota Timberwolves, right? And so when I look at those two scenarios, it's like, hey, can the Raptors get ahead of Philly and Milwaukee defensively? Or can the Raptors get ahead of just the Timberwolves offensively? Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I will say that the offense has a better shot at being the top 10.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I think it, it could happen that they finish top 10 in both. I don't think that's crazy, yes. you know, like considering where they are. But yeah, I, I, that's, a, that's a fair argument from your side. I still think I believe in the defensive talent more than I believe in the offensive talent. So I'll go with that. But uh, certainly a, a well-made case on your side of the ledger. We will continue on with our final two. What's more likelies of today's episode in just one second. We're going to go big picture. Look at the end of the season. Even some free agency stuff. That's coming up in just one sec, but first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online. Football might be over, but basketball is in full steam, both in the pro and college ranks. From all the latest odds, totals, play performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best place for sports scores, podcasts, and news this season, and it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, your favorite Olympic coverage, Paralympic coverage, and of course, coming up soon hopefully maybe we'll see baseball as well i really really don't want baseball to lose time because i want to put a lot of money on the blue jays to win the world series because it's happening baby it's going to go down anyway head to the website use your mobile device sign up today and learn more about the trends in the action bet online is where the game starts and we will round out your first list of the day with our final two what's more likely scenarios of today's episode. Uh, Number five here, let's get to it, Vec Raptors make the second round, or they lose in the play-in tournament. The either-or, again, probably going to be somewhere in the middle, probably going to lose in the first round if we're being honest with ourselves here, but What do you think is more likely a play in bow out and not making the playoffs proper or an advancement to the second round?
2: So agreed. I think, you know, first round exit is the most likely scenario, but I will go with losing in the play in as more likely than lose uh, than getting to the second round. Um, I just think that matchup wise, you know, there's a scenario where right now they are playing the Brooklyn Nets there could very well be a scenario where they are playing the Boston Celtics. There could be a scenario where they're playing the Atlanta Hawks who I think have turned it around and are looking more and more like the team uh, that we saw last season. So I could see them losing to those teams. No question about that. And so I would take that as the more likely scenario than them beating, you know, one of Miami, Chicago, Philly, Milwaukee, Milwaukee, uh, in the first round. Uh, if they get the Cavaliers, that gives them the best shot at advancing yeah.
1: to the second round.
2: But uh, beyond that, I think it's tough.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the matchups obviously are going to be huge. If they can get the Cavs in round one, I think everyone's kind of hoping they get the Cavs in round one. And hey, maybe that's stupid. Maybe you're asking to get Jarrett Allen and Evan Mobley into oblivion, but I think that's probably the team you want to face. I also, maybe this is stupid. I kind of like the way they match up with the Bulls, and I I think there's a world in which they could advance past them. I'm having a hard time envisioning them losing two play-in games, though. Like, I know it could happen. It's only two games, and it's coin flips, and you can easily lose two coin flips in a row. But the Nets, in theory, won't have Kyrie if there is a Raptors-Nets play-in. That matters to me. Yes, KD is incredible, but... Without Kyrie as sort of an outlet, I feel like for a single-game situation, maybe you just do the full-on, we send two to the ball and, you know, kind of hope that we don't get destroyed. Maybe you do get destroyed by Seth Curry and Patty Mills knocking down open threes on the back end. But I just feel like without Kyrie, there's a path to beating the Nets, and I don't even know if the Nets are going to be in that eight seed, honestly. And I like the way they match up with both the Hornets and the hawks as well as the hawks have played here i think the raptors have kind of made them look their worst recently and, and i think that matters and i think they are a pretty interesting sort of size matchup to throw at trey young and whatnot so yeah i i think i feel a little better about them making the second round i think pascal is kind of playing like a playoff proof type player right now with the mid-range game he's got going obviously we need to see if it holds up in the postseason. But I also think Fred Van Vliet stands a chance of being a better postseason player now than he did maybe early in the season when it was so Fred dependent and he was on the ball so much. Off the ball, it's a whole different story and he's a whole different animal to deal with for a defense. And I think that's more playoff sustainable as well. So I will say that there are enough teams in that top part of the East in, you know, I think the Bulls and the Cavs who I think they can beat that I would say the second round is more likely. But again, I think probably a noble first round loss to one of these really good teams is the most likely outcome here. But that's why we play the game, baby. We like to think about the extremes. Uh, Let's go to the final one, shall we? The last uh, either or is a free agency related one. It is, what's more likely? The Raptors re-sign both Chris Boucher and Thad Young or they let both of them walk at the end of the season. What say you for this one?
2: I would say it's more likely that they resign both. I think the Raptors, we know, aren't huge uh, players in free agency, and so I think we could see them lean towards doing uh, a bit more of their own in-house management. Uh, and then, you know, if it if it comes down the line that there's an opportunity to upgrade on those assets, then maybe they'll look mm-hmm. into it. But uh, I think I would probably between the two bet on uh, both of them being back.
1: I think I totally agree with you. You know, I, I think there's maybe this been, there's been this, been this assumption that maybe they're just going to let Thad walk and it wasn't like a deal for the future because he's, what, 33, 34. But like, one of the first things Masai said in his press conference after the deadline is, oh, we got his bird rights. And I, like, I think they care about that. And I think that um, you know, the way that they've kind of already integrated Thad, the way Thad has kind of spoken about, uh, you know, and, and different pieces have been written about kind of the way he lines up with the Raptors sort of ideologically. I think it makes a lot of sense to keep that around for a couple of years beyond this one. And I don't think it's going to take a crazy amount of money to keep Thad and Boucher either. I mean, we were talking about in the lead up to the deadline, guys like Eric Gordon, people who are going to make pretty significant money next season and why it would work under the tax You know, Eric Gordon makes like 19 million bucks or so, and they would have been able to bring him in and also still have room for other additions with the exceptions and whatnot and still be under the luxury tax. Same logic I think applies here where you could probably get both Boucher and Thad locked in for next season for the same amount you would pay an Eric Gordon, hypothetically. Yes, that leaves you with a whole bunch of dudes who are, you know, same sized and same positioned and all of that. Again, I feel like that's a feature, not a bug to this Raptors front office. And there will have to be some moves to add shooting, you would assume, unless Delano Banton becomes some sort of marksman over the summer. Like, they're going to have to find ways to add shooting with their exceptions or whatever. But I I, I do think... Boucher and Thad, neither has played at a level where you're like, oh, God, we got to pay this guy $15 next year. This is going to be prohibitive. And so I think it's pretty reasonable to think they'll both be back. They seem to both fit what the Raptors want to do. Boucher has shown that he can play like winning basketball this season for the first time ever. I think it's uh, entirely likely it's probably their plan right now to bring those guys both back and have them be part of whatever the solution is going forward. I do wonder what that means for Ken Birch, but that's a problem for another day. Um, Yeah, any uh, lingering thoughts here on this uh, Thad Boucher one, or shall we uh, get the hell out of here, man?
2: No, I mean, I think the last thing I would agree with you is, you know, in terms of the bird rights, it's one thing to uh, get a rental on a championship run. uh, The Raptors are not on that, and so I do think there is a bit more of a long-term outlook, uh, or I guess a medium-term outlook uh, with that.
1: Yeah, I agree for sure. Uh, He just seems like a Raptors kind of dude, man. I don't know. It seems like it's going to be a pretty nice fit. And I would imagine, once my theory that the uh, best lineup for the Raptors is going to be the starters with Thad in place of Scotty. Uh, once that starts to bear fruit and they start winning their minutes by, uh, 10, 10 points per two minutes, uh, uh, well, uh, I think they're going to be like, yeah, we got to bring this dude back. He's pretty essential to the things we want to accomplish here. Uh, with that, we will wrap up the show. Big V you have been essential to the things I wanted to accomplish in this one. So I thank you for playing along with another round of what's more likely. Do you have anything you would like to promote for the good people out there?
2: No uh thanks this was a really fun chat and uh you can you know follow my work at raptors.com at cbc sports at complex canada and you can follow me on twitter at vivek m jacob
1: everyone go do that stuff if you don't already you probably should if you're listening to this podcast and you don't follow big v i don't know what you're doing uh but either way thank you for tuning in thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day you can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms. Please go subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend, etc. Also on YouTube, you can go and subscribe on there as well. And uh, that'll do it. We'll be back again tomorrow. Uh, TBD on the topic. It's vacation week. I'm not doing a ton of planning ahead of time for this one, if I'm being totally honest. It's, uh, the, it's a week for relax, relaxing and resting and coming up with ideas on short notice, baby. Uh, so we'll be back again tomorrow. We'll, of course, look ahead to the Hornets and Hawks games on Friday as well as the Raptors get back to action. But until then, Thank you so much. Go make your second listen of the day, Locked on NBA, as our hosts over there every single night are breaking down the action and uh, some big picture conversations going on over there this week with no games going on. But either way, go subscribe to Locked on NBA, both on YouTube and on your favorite podcast apps. And with that, we will talk to you again on Thursday. Bye bye.